Hello, this is For the Love of Film Podcast. I'm your host, Scott David Chase. This episode's going to be a roundup of sorts of the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about five films. Uh, the Shining, Upgrade, Ford vs. McEnroe, Beast, and On Chesil Beach. Um, these are films I saw over the last couple weeks, uh, and I have put out episodes consistently if you've listened but um they've kind of fallen in between some of the other episodes um we tried doing or, or we did record uh, a burgers and bob uh, burgers with bob episode for the shining but there were technical issues with it so we could not put it up um there was a the recorder that we had used actually got hit by a um uh, a champagne cork as it was uh being opened and it turned the recorder off and uh so i'm gonna briefly kind of recap what we said about uh, the shining um so yeah uh about about two weeks ago uh uh bob and i went and saw stanley kubrick's the shining in cambridge mass which both of us were very familiar with the film, but it was the first time that both of us had seen it on the big screen. Really enjoyed it, <clears throat> you know, and then we had a, a burgers at the Friendly Toast in Cambridge. Um, it was a, uh, you know, it was a busy weekend in Boston. It was graduation weekend, but it was also the Boston Calling Festival was going on, so it was very, very busy in there. Also very loud, and uh, yeah, um... We both really enjoyed the the film, um, the burgers not so much at the toast. Um, but an interesting thing came up when we were reviewing it, um, you know, or giving our numeric review of it. You know, Bob gave it a nine, I gave it a ten. Um, you know, I consider The Shining one of the one of the greatest films ever made, and you know, Bob Bob's opinion is, you know, how can you give any movie a 10 because it's a perfect score and um you know i know some people who have similar opinions about rating anything but uh um you know i can't think of anything that either i would change or um is wrong with the shining um you know it does differ greatly from stephen king's book but um you know we talked a great deal about the difference between print and uh print and, and film as a, as mediums. And, you know, I, I, you know, I've read the shining and I've obviously seen the film, but I think there's room for both. I actually think the film is superior to the book. Not that the book is anything to, uh, scoff at, but, um, you know, and some people would argue that uh, Jack Nicholson uh, as the the lead is not necessarily a great uh, or the best choice because the the story is supposed to be about the character's descent to madness, and Jack Nicholson, you know, uh, has a persona going into the film that he's already insane, um, which I can understand that point, but. Besides the fact that it's one of his greatest performances, um, I think sort of the the legend, the legacy of Jack Nicholson um, <clears throat> was kind of built 
upon this performance. So a lot of people who feel that way, it's a it's a retrospective thing based on this performance. You know, some people would argue um, uh, R.P. McMurphy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, as well. And that uh, while that is an iconic performance for Jack Nicholson, one of his most well-known, um, I, I there's more mischief. I don't think that there's menace in it in that performance and uh i really think this this performance in the shining was the one that um gave jack sort of that dangerous um persona so uh <clears throat> yeah that's that's my feeling on that um but it was great to see the shining on the big screen and having always seen it on home video i never realized just the magnitude of the cinematography. I mean, um, the opening establishing shots of the, you know, the helicopter shot of the Volkswagen bug driving towards the Overlook Hotel is just, it really brings you in and uh, makes you feel the isolation that's coming. And also the uh, incredible use of score to to uh, accentuate the mood of the film. Um, it, so it's just lost um, or or greatly diminished on home video, and it's another reason why I'm a big advocate for seeing films in a movie theater. It's it's you know it's a captivating and magical experience that uh, you know regardless of how good a home theater exp- home theater one might have, uh, it's just not the same thing. Um, later that day, I traveled to Lowell, Massachusetts, back to the Luna Theater, which is a favorite theater of mine, has become a favorite theater of mine this year. This is probably the fourth or fifth time I've been there. I saw the film uh, Borg McEnroe, which is also known as Borg versus McEnroe. Uh, in Finland, it's Borg forward slash McEnroe, and in Swedish, it's just called Borg. So, um, you know, this is interesting. Uh, some films do have different titles in different countries and different regions. Um, and with this movie, there's no, you know, it, it's, it's not vastly different, um, in all the regions, but, um, uh, it, it, in particular, it's interesting to me in Sweden, uh, that it's just, uh, called Borg. Um, and there is probably, you know, it, it, it's a biographical film about the, the rivalry between, uh, uh Bjorn Borg and John McEnroe, uh, specifically their 1980, uh, the, the Wimbledon competition and, uh, you know, the, the rivalry between the two of them. And, but I'd say it is, as far as background and focus of the film, it's probably 60% on Borg and 40% on McEnroe. Um, you know, uh, it was, a, it was a captivating film. Um, I, it, it's, I, I saw it with a friend, my friend Jill and, um, neither one of us, A, are big sports fans, but B, because we're not big sports fans, neither one of us actually knew, the outcome of, of this, uh, you know, championship of this, uh, of the Wimbledon, uh, I'm the word, the proper word for, you know, what it is. I, I'm not familiar with it. Cause I, you know, 
This is the most time that the two hours watching the movie was the most time I've ever spent watching any tennis, you know, not just at a single time, but probably cumulatively in my life. So, um, it was a testament to what a well-made film it was and what, it, what an interesting film it was because I was genuinely, uh, fascinated by the motivation between these, these very different, uh, players, but also the relationship between the two of them. Um, uh, Swedish actor Sveren Goodnason, um, played Borg and Shia LaBeouf played John McEnroe and, you know, Shia LaBeouf is kind of known now for being a eccentric, often unpredictable, uh, actor and, um, or person in real life, I guess. And, um, was a great choice, uh, for John McEnroe, even though physically he doesn't look that much like him, you know, they did their best with his hair, but, um, you know, uh, it was a very captivating performance from him, but also, um, you know, uh, a, a, a very humanizing, uh, performance. I had always kind of known or thought of John McEnroe as that obnoxious, angry asshole tennis player. And while that's not incorrect, it gave you kind of an insight to his motivation. And, and I, cause I always had thought it was a bit of an act and, um, this, certainly gives a different spin on that and uh you know the portrayal of Bjorn Borg um it was fascinating just seeing the dedication of this tennis player uh and his dedication to his craft over years and years and years and uh yeah it was it was really interesting for sports fans and non-sports fans alike because I'm I'm a huge not sports fan, uh, and I still really enjoyed the film. Uh, you know, I didn't know that the two of them became friends in real life after the fact, and that was kind of interesting to read in the closing uh, sort of like recap that a lot of biopics have at the at the tail end of the film. I'm sorry if anyone feels that's a spoiler because this is a you know a 38 year old story, so. Um, the granted, I didn't know that, but, you know, yeah. Um, so then the next movie I saw was Upgrade, um, which is a sort of science fiction, or no, it is a science fiction film. Um, it's uh, written and directed by Lee Whannell, who is one of the co-creators of the Saw franchise. And um, uh, I did not know that going into it which I'm kind of glad actually, you know, I, I like going into films oftentimes knowing very little about them. Um, I had seen the preview for this film and it looked like a kind of dumb action movie. And, um, I was, the movie was better than I was expecting it to be. It was also a lot different than I expected it to be. First of all, I didn't, I couldn't tell from the the previews at all that this is it's set in the future. Um, I mean, the not too distant future, but the future nonetheless. Um, it really kind of harkens back to a, a a film from the late '80s, early '90s type of feeling. Oh, sorry to go back real quick. Uh, Borg versus McEnroe. I would give it a um, a good solid. Uh, I would I would give it an 
Eight out of ten. Yeah, definitely worth watching. So anyway, going back to Upgrade, um, uh, stars Logan Marshall Green, who um, I had seen. I, I mean, he looked familiar when I had seen the preview, but it wasn't immediately um, clear where I knew him from. Uh, where I did know him from was from uh, uh, Prometheus, the prequel to the film Alien, and uh, um, he kind of looks a bit, uh, um, I don't know, like, he's got kind of like an everyman look, and, uh, I don't know, like, I, based on Prometheus, I wasn't sure how he was going to, uh, uh, I don't know, I, I wasn't sure how his performance was going to be in this, um, hang on one sec, I have to look up, uh, the actor I'm trying to think of, uh, because, and I feel really embarrassed because it's an actor I really like and I'm having a complete brain fart, uh, right now, um, uh, uh, Tom Hardy, sorry, um, Tom, he, he, he looks a lot like Tom Hardy, like a slightly less bulky Tom Hardy, and, uh, God, that's driving me nuts. That was driving me nuts. Cause, uh, Tom Hardy is one of those actors that I'll, I'll, I'll pretty much go see anything that Tom Hardy's in regardless of the film. But, and it felt like they were like, oh, we want some, a Tom Hardy type, but we don't have the money to get Tom Hardy. So, uh, they got Logan Marshall, Marshall Green. Um, but like I was saying, having only seen him in Prometheus and was not exceptionally impressed with him, um, probably not his fault because that's not an exceptional film um i didn't know what to expect and you know this being a movie that he carries i was like let's go one of two ways um yeah it was it, it was more interesting and more complex uh than i expected it to be uh once the sort of the premise of it or or, or the the details of the plot were laid out um it went in some ways that i expected in some ways i didn't i mean i'm always a fan of science fiction films and i'm kind of surprised they didn't play up the science fiction element more because i don't know how well this movie's done in the box office oh it looks like it's made about seven million but it only costs three to four million uh to make but and and it's uh you know, it's a it's a Bloomhouse film, which Bloomhouse in the last few years uh, has has really become an up and comer in the horror and sci fi genre, mostly horror. But uh, I know the Purge films are big for them, and they do a lot of you know kind of these slasher and haunted movies. But their their biggest claim to fame would be Jordan Peele's Get Out last year. But anyway, I was you know I was pleasantly surprised that. Uh, um, it was uh, it was it was better than I expected it to be. Um, the action sequences were shot fairly interestingly. The the future stuff felt very lived in, um, but not uh, you know, it, with such a low budget, it was pulled off very well. Um, I mean the the kind of the coolest slash most 
believable thing and it was a self-driving car which i know we already have and um i think will become a thing more and more uh, in the years to come but that plays a a plot element in the film and that was handled very well but it also handled uh limitations of the budget uh so you know it was inventive um that's the great thing about a lot of science fiction and you know horror films particularly science fiction as far as stuff that i appreciate is um budget limitations uh directly inform creative decisions and you know made for an interesting film i mean it is a science fiction film uh but it's also an action film but there's very few sets used, but it never felt cheaper, like they were cheating. So, uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, not an amazing film, but certainly better than I expected it to be. Um, I would give Upgrade a, a solid seven. Um, if you like action films, certainly worth checking out. And, uh, you know, it's it's better than say something like Johnny Mnemonic or something like that. Actually, my, uh, my friend Matt was watching the, the Canadian sci-fi film cube the other day, um, right before we recorded a, a podcast, an episode of the, for the love of mixtapes podcast. And, uh, I'd say it's on par with something like that film. Uh, I, and I, I think it's going to develop more of an audience on demand slash, uh, on home video. Although, I don't know how much home video is still a viable thing for people to discover new things. But, yeah, I enjoyed Upgrade. Um, next film I saw is a, a British film called Beast. Um, this was a movie that has been playing in Massachusetts for a while and had gotten a lot of critical acclaim. And I knew next to nothing about it other than it was British and it was a psychological film. Um I didn't know if there was going to be a supernatural element in it, uh, which there is not. Um, but even watching the film, going into it, I was never quite sure if you know there was going to be a change in the direction of the story and if it was going to turn supernatural. Um, it's more kind of a character study of two characters. Um, uh, Jesse Buckley, who's, uh, gave an exceptional performance, a British actress, um, is a woman with, you know, some emotional, mental issues, particularly she's had them in her childhood. She's in, she's in her mid twenties, I'd say now, and, um, has been, you know, there's sort of a stigma attached to her with this, uh, community. She lives on a small island, uh, in part of the UK and, you know, on her birthday, she meets a young man, uh, played by Johnny Flynn, who kind of lives on the fringes and, um, you know, it's a, there's a romance that builds, but the, you know, in the framework of this story, there is a killer who's killing young women, uh, on the island and, so an investigation goes on and, you know, different people are suspected, but it's, you know, um, it really deals with love, loyalty, family, and, you know, um, kind of being an outsider and what that means and what it means to, to love someone and stand by someone. Um, really interesting movie visually, 
beautiful, um, very, very dark, great use of shadows and light. Um, you know, a lot of the film does take place at night, was shot at night, and, um, you know, just just a gorgeous film. You know, emotionally a pretty dark film, but, uh, yeah, I, um, I enjoyed it. Um, great performance by the two central characters. Um, certainly dark in nature and, uh, you know, not something I would necessarily recommend to everyone, but, uh, a well-crafted film. Um, yeah, I would give Beast an eight out of 10. Um, and then the last film I saw, I did a, a, a two for day. Uh, I, I literally saw it about half an hour after Beast is another British film, also set on an island, also about a couple, uh, a film called On Chesil Beach. Um, something I had seen the preview for several times. Um, uh, starring uh, Saoirse Ronan and Billy Howell as uh, newlyweds. And uh, the, the bulk of the film takes place mere hours after they've been wed and sort of their interactions on the first night of their honeymoon. And we also, through flashbacks, get to see their courtship and um, even further back flashbacks, see them before they meet each other and what kind of informed them to be the people that they are. And, um, you know, the dramatic tension that happens on the this first night of their marriage. Um, uh, this is a movie I'd seen the preview for. A few times, and I'm a huge Saoirse Ronan fan, so I knew I was gonna, I was planning on seeing it. Um, uh, similar to Beast, uh, both the films dealt with uh, parents who had had some mental incapacities. In in Beast, uh, the the protagonist, her father, uh, suffered from Alzheimer's. In this, um, uh, uh, Billy Howells mother had, uh, suffered trauma to the head and had some brain damage and that affected, you know, that, that informed Saoirse Ronan's relationship with him. And she was very understanding and tender with the mother. But, um, you know, this was, this was a movie that was really pretty captivating. Um, you know, the two, Two leads, the young husband and wife, very different upbringings, very different personalities, and when they're when a conflict arises or sort of an issue with the two of them, how they react to it is very different. Um, uh, my, I don't know, sort of the, I, I hesitate to call it a climax, but the, um, the you know the the crucial point in the film. I really feel the film should have ended there, but does two sort of codas, one uh, 13 years later and then one uh, almost 40 years later. And um, the one 13 years later could have been the end of the film and it would have been perfectly acceptable. The one that took place in 2007 was a little bit too tidy to tie everything up. But more importantly, both of the actors are in heavy old age makeup. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves in movies is it's really hard to make young actors look 
old and make them look like human beings rather than actors who have a ton of rubber makeup on them. Because they don't look like elderly people. They look like themselves with makeup on. Um, and, you know, um, I mean, Saoirse Ronan's was more convincing than Billy Howells. Billy Howells was just ridiculous. And it, it, it's too bad because it really kind of took me out of the movie at the end. And the resolve for this, their story didn't add anything to the story that had been that had unfolded in the previous two hours. And if anything, it made some stuff a little bit trite. So I wish they had left that out. So, um, you know, without the codas, I would have given on uh, Chesil beach, uh, a seven and with it, it knocked it down to a six. So, um, yeah, certainly Saoirse Ronan's performance is stronger than Billy Howell's. Um, not that it was bad, but his was sort of, it didn't stand out. But, um, yeah, uh, a pleasant, well, pleasant maybe not the right word since a lot of the stuff that's discussed in the film is uncomfortable. Uh, but a well enough made film, if not particularly memorable in the long run. So those are the five films that uh, I saw in the last couple weeks. I'm actually in my car uh, outside a movie theater right now. I'm going to go see a film now. I'm still not sure which film that I want to see because there's three movies that open this weekend that I want to see, and um, uh, which is uh, Hotel Artemis, Heredity, which I'm really looking forward to, and then Ocean's Eight. There's also American uh, Animals, which is Movie Pass's first distributed film. Opens this weekend, but it's not playing anywhere around here, so I'm definitely not going to see it this weekend. But uh, yeah, hopefully sometime soon. Uh, I'll be in Boston on Monday getting a tattoo, so maybe I will see it somewhere there after um, after I get my tattoo. So we'll see. Again. Thanks for listening, and yeah, I'll talk to you again.